This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's first of all ask God to help us. Lord Jesus, we come to you now and ask you to Lord, open our understanding like you did for those on the road to Emmaus and let our hearts burn within us as we see you in the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. In his name shall the Gentiles trust. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both of them spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation in every city or house. Divided against himself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. Now how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he shall spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that scattereth not, gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So in our last study, we saw a very important characteristic of God, a very defining characteristic of God. It says that, really it says a lot about who God is, and it's found in verse 20 where it says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. In other words, God chose a gardener to portray and to tell something very important about God. And he chose a reed plant, and he focused in, in this particular teaching here, on a decision that a gardener has to make. What he's really saying here is that just suppose that there was a gardener and this gardener was working in his garden 
and his garden has reeds growing in his garden. Just suppose for a minute that the gardener really cares about his garden and he wants it to be a perfect garden and with really healthy, strong plants, reeds in this case. And just suppose that the gardener is going through his reed plants in his garden and he comes across this one reed and it's just not standing up straight like the other ones. It doesn't look as good. It's bent. It's bruised. It's not like the other reed plants. And, and the gardener now has to make a choice. That's what's really being before us here. He has to make a choice. He has to make a decision. The gardener can look at that reed plant and say to himself, well, just look at all the other reed plants in my garden. All, all the ones around it, they're not broken. They're not bending down. This reed plant is so much not like the others. As a matter of fact, it's kind of detracting from the garden here because this reed plant is detracting from the beauty of the other reed plants. And what I'll do is I'll cut this reed plant out. I'll just get rid of it. And a new one will grow in its place. And, and for me, it's just going to be a whole lot less work and a whole lot less time for me just to start with a new healthy reed plant to grow in its place. And, and that way I don't have to look at this broken one all the time. Now, if that was the decision of the gardener, then the bruise plant would be whacked off. It'd be cut off, and it would just be thrown out And because it just didn't make the grade. It was injured. Now, that's one decision that the gardener can make, and then there's another decision that the gardener can make. The gardener might say to himself, you know, I brought up, he could focus on that reed plant in a totally different way. He could say, I brought up this reed plant since it was just a little sprout and I've cared for it all of its life. And now more than ever, this reed plant needs me. Before it got injured, the reed plant knew me as the gardener that nourished it. It knew me as the, the gardener that cared for it to make the soil right, to clean the weeds out of the soil. But that was before it got injured. But now this little reed plant needs to know me differently. Now the reed plant is damaged, it's bruised, it's bending down, and more than ever, this reed plant needs me to become for it, not the gardener that nourished, not the gardener that just simply watered, but now he needs to know me as the healing gardener, a gardener that's gonna heal this broken reed plant. More than ever, this bruised reed plant needs to know me as a caring gardener. And now this little reed plant and I, we're going to have a wonderful history together. It's going to be great because now I'm going to come in, I'm going to bind it up, I'm going to support it every day, I'm going to make sure it's healing. And if that was the decision of the gardener, if that was the decision he came to, then that bruised reed plant would not be cut off. It would not be thrown away. It would be cared for. It would be nursed until it got back into its full strength and stood up there again. And so what he's focusing on here is two gardeners with two different views of what to do with the bruised reed plant. One had no time, no patience, and the other had all the patience and all the time it would take for to care for and to heal that bruised, that bruised reed plant. So God is saying, God is saying, I am like the second gardener. He says, now I'm not like the first gardener because we are all bruised reed plants when we come to the Lord. None of us were clean. None of us were spiritually healthy when we came to the Lord. We're all like the bruised reed plant in the filth of our sins. And the Lord looked at us in that state and he said that, well, he said, you know, I'm not going to see this person as detracting from the beauty of my kingdom. 
He, the Lord looked at us as a bruised reed plant and he had compassion on us and he remembered how much he has invested into our lives, how much then he then commits himself to heal us, and to save us from our sins because we came to the Lord like bruised reed plants in our sins, defiled by our sins, feeling guilty for our sins, heading right for hell because of our sins. And God says, more than ever, this person needs me. In the past, I've been a provider to this person. I've fed this person. But now this person is bruised. He's dirty. He's a dirty, rotten sinner. And he's as dirty as he can be. And now he needs to know me as the cleanser of his sins. Now he needs to know me as the forgiver of his sins. Now he needs to know me as the reconciler to this person with back to God. And so the Lord is saying that he's the second gardener. He's refusing to cast away this broken reed plant. And because of that, he will not break the bruised reed. And you and I are in Christ and we're saved today because of Exodus 15, 26, Exodus 15, 26, which says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He doesn't break us off. He didn't break us off. He healed us. And by the way, when we see the Lord Jesus use all of these analogies, with, for example, as he has here with the garden and the bruised reed and so forth, then when we see him use all of these parables, all these similarities, he's really using similarities in the physical world. It really makes us wonder about something. If we wonder, did he look at the physical world that he created and search for what could be best used in the physical world to explain something and to teach something about the unseen spiritual world? Or if the physical world was not created by him and put in place for the purpose of explaining the unseen world? Personally, I think it was the latter. I think it was that way. I think God put together the physical world in such a way that it serves to explain the unseen spiritual world. I think that's the purpose of it. Okay, so as the Lord is standing there and he's thinking about bruised reeds, that's what he's doing. He's thinking about bruised reeds. You kind of follow his mind. Where's he going? What's he thinking about? And then immediately he says in verse 21, in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Now, why did the Lord bring up Gentiles? I mean, he's the king of the Jews. He's talking to the, he's in the Jewish nation. He's talking to Jews. There aren't Gentiles around him, but he brings up Gentiles. He's talked about bruised reeds, brings out Gentiles. It shows, what this verse shows is how much the Gentiles were on his mind. It shows how much the Gentiles were on the mind of God. You know, it's real easy to think that, you know, it's real easy to come to this conclusion that you think that, well, you look, the Bible is all taken up with the Jewish people and it's all, you know, the Jews this, the Jews that, that God doesn't really care about the non-Jewish Gentiles. It's easy to think that, but that's not true. And verse 21, verse 21 shows that seemingly out of the clear blue sky, the Lord says that the Gentiles are gonna trust in his name and the reality is, so you have, to come to, you have to kind of think about that, and you have to think, you know, why did he say that? And what is the relationship of the Jews to the Gentiles? Well, the relationship of the Jews to the Gentiles is described, as Moses said, in, in Exodus 19.6, Exodus 19.6, where he talked, and it says, speaking to the Jewish people, God said, 
ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then he said, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So in other words, God told Moses, Moses, you speak for me, and you tell them you are to be a kingdom of priests to me. Okay, so God chose the Jewish people to be a kingdom of priests. Well, a priest represents people to God. That's what a priest does. A prophet represents God to the people. A priest goes the other direction, represents people to God. Well, if all of the Jewish people, and by the way, he said, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and he said, you shall speak this unto the children of Israel, you would have thought, and he would have said, you shall speak this to the tribe of Levi. They were the Le- priestly tribe. But that's not what God said in Exodus 19. Takes. He said, to all the Jewish people, not just the tribe of Levi, and all the Jews love to have the name Cohen or... Uh, you know, or Levi or something like that, because I want to be from the tribe of Levi because of Greece, right? I'm glad I don't know what tribe I'm from. I don't care. But, um, but he said, no, not the tribe of Levi. All the Jewish people are to be a kingdom of priests. Well, you say, all the people are to be a Jew. If all the Jewish people are to be a kingdom of priests and the priest represents people to God, who are they representing? Who are the Jewish people representing to God because they're priests. They're all a kingdom of priests. Well, obviously, it's not priest representing priest to God. It's other people, other people. And this gets to really what is the purpose of the Jewish people? Why did God put the Jewish people here on earth? You see this in a fulfillment of their destiny, in a fulfillment of their purpose in Zechariah 8.23. In Zechariah 8.23, where it says, Thus saith the Lord his host, in those days it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take hold of all the languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So, there you see the priest. That's 10 men, 10 Gentile, 10 non-Jewish men speaking many languages and symbolically all the languages of the world, as he said, and he's taking hold of the skirt of him that's a Jew, and he's saying, they're saying, bring us to God. That's what a priest does. A priest brings people to God. And so they're saying, bring us to God. We've heard that God is with you. We're going with you. You must take us. You must represent us to God. That's the purpose and the fulfillment that the people that the Jewish people were priest to or the people that the Jewish people as priests represented to God are Gentiles. That's why this prophecy in in Zechariah 8.23 is so important because it shows what God called the Jewish people to, to be a kingdom of priests representing the Gentiles to God. And so Satan, in order to block the Jewish people from fulfilling their high commission of representing as priests the Gentiles to God, Satan has the Jewish people all caught up with keeping themselves separate and getting away, not getting close to the Gentile people. Meanwhile, while that's going on, the Gentile world is waiting for the Jewish people to become the kingdom of priests that God called them to, to represent them to God. And there's a real sense 
of hurry up in the hymn, O Zion, haste. O Zion, hurry up. O Zion, haste thy mission high fulfilling to tell to all the world that God is light, that he who made all nations is not willing one soul should perish lost in shades of night. Publish glad tidings, tidings of peace, tidings of Jesus, redemption and released. Behold how many thousands still are lying bound in the darksome prison house of sin with none to tell them of the Savior's dying or of the life he died to win. Anyway, proclaim to every people, tongue and nation, that God in whom they live and move is love. Tell them how he stooped to save his lost creation and died on earth that we might live above. O Zion, hurry up. O Zion, haste. O Jewish people, hurry up. Like my Jewish cousin who just called me right now, I should say to her, hurry up. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Hurry up and be received again by God so that the world can experience what it says in Romans 11 and 15. Romans 11 and 15, which says, talking about the Jewish people, if the casting away of them, the Jewish people, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? Life from the dead. Now get that verse. If the casting away of them be the reconciling, the subject is the world. If the casting away is the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? Life from the dead. For who? For the world. Now, and that's why the Lord spoke in verse 21 about the Gentiles trusting in his name. And what is his name that the Gentiles are gonna trust in? His name is Jesus, which means God saves. So the Gentiles, it's a very unusual name, by the way, that he has. What's your name? God saves the Messiah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus, it means God saves. So the Gentiles will trust that through him, God would save them. His name is Christ. His name is Messiah, which means that he was sent from God, anointed, sent from God. So when the Gentiles will trust his name, they're going to trust that he came from God, like he said, like you said, in John 13, 3, John 13, 3, like it's written, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. So by trusting his name as Christ or the Messiah, the Gentiles would trust that he came from God and he's gonna return back to God. Now, after the Lord has healed now this man, this man, he was possessed with the devil, he was blind, he was dumb, and he healed him, the Lord healed him, and it says, it says in verse 23, the people were amazed. All the people, all the people were amazed and they asked this question, is not this the son of David? Now, what amazed the people was this question, could Jesus be the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? That for them was an amazing question to them. The question, could Jesus really be the Messiah, was amazing to the people just as the question, could Jesus be God? Could Jesus be God? That was a question that Paul had on the road to Damascus. Very interesting to see the points that are drawn out in this history of the conversion of Paul on the road to Damascus. Very interesting in verses of Acts 9, Acts 9, 1 through 6, where first of all, it introduces Paul to us. It tells us about Paul here. It says, Saul, yet breathing out, think about that, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, 
and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed and he came near to Damascus, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? The Lord said, arise, go into the city, it'll be told you. The record of this history here, as it starts here in Acts 9.1, begins, as I was saying here, with Paul breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the Lord. You know, that's a very graphic picture, very graphic picture for us that is like, Paul's like a raging bull. Every time the bull breathes in, it's really only to fill his lungs with oxygen to make him, enable him to go destroy, charge, attack, trample. It's Paul. That's the picture of Paul here. And it says in verse one there in Acts 9-1 that he's breathing out threatenings of slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He's like a bull breathing. It means that Paul is like filling his lungs with oxygen just simply to get energy to destroy the disciples of the Lord Jesus. And for Paul to destroy the disciples of the Lord Jesus, that was second best for him. That was second best. Why? Because it was all that Paul could do. Because Paul, what he really wanted to do was to destroy Jesus himself. But that was his first choice, but he couldn't get access to Jesus. So instead, he's resorting to the next best option, which is destroy the disciples of the Lord Jesus. That's the scene that's painted for us in Acts 9. It's a Paul that's breathing out these threatenings and slaughter. It's really against the Lord Jesus, but all he can do is against the disciples. So now Paul, like a raging bull, he's got these letters that he wanted from the high priest that gives him the authority to go on a search and find any man or woman who believed in Jesus and then tie him up and bring him back to Jerusalem. And so as Paul is now thinking about how much he hates the Lord Jesus and he's on this road to Damascus, he's struck down to the ground with blindness. And when he's struck down to the ground, he knows who struck him down to the ground. God struck him down to the, to the ground, obviously. And at that moment, Paul knows God is against me. God is against me. And since Paul was just thinking about how much he hated Jesus, Paul is forced to face the question, could Jesus be God? Could Jesus be God? Could it really be true that Jesus is God? And so Paul asked the question in verse nine, who art thou, Lord? And he's already thinking that, that God has just struck him down, could be Jesus. So when Paul answers, when God answers this question in verse six, Acts 9, six, he says, I am Jesus. Paul's already considering that God who opposed him was, is Jesus. So the question that Jesus might be God left Paul in what's called in Acts 9, 6, he trembling and astonished. The idea that Jesus is God left Paul shaking like a leaf. Why? Because he never expected that. He never expected that Jesus would be God himself. And that's what made Paul question so meaningful when he asked in, in Acts 9, 5, Acts 9, who art thou, Lord? Because in that, in that one simple question are two questions. There's a surface question and there's a more profound question underneath it. The surface question, the first question 
that he asked in Acts 9, 5 is, oh, who art thou, Lord? Which really, uh, Jesus, is that you? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.